The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everybody, welcome to Everybody Is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf review podcast where I, Phil Hawkins, a longtime fan of Red Dwarf, is joined every week by Adam Martin, the newbie to every episode of Red Dwarf. <laughs> yes, hello, making my, my journey through this lovely series, seven series in. I am enjoying it, new listeners, don't worry, it's a good show, I'm in it for the long haul, but yeah, it's my, my first time as it were. Uh, so we always have two perspectives on every episode, at least two perspectives, because sometimes we have a guest as well. And today we are joined by a guest from overseas, over across the pond, as people like to say, in uh, the US of A, uh, introducing our guest, Anne Peake. Hello, thank you for having me on. We're talking about Red Dwarf, so it couldn't get better. We are talking about <laughs> Red Dwarf. Now, you, your, what's your history of Red Dwarf? Because you run a Twitter account, don't you? I run... Um... In place of the actual creator, I run uh, the Twitter account, the Facebook account, and the Instagram account um, until she comes back. Of Chris Barry fans. Chris Barry fans, yes. Okay, so you're the, so the sort of temporary custodian of that Twitter yes. account. What, temporary, what's happened, and I don't know how. What's happened to how the uh, original custodian of that Twitter account, the originator? Um, she had another project come up and just asked me to take over until she comes back, and oh. I don't know when that will be. And how long have you been um, manning that Twitter account for now then? Uh, since March. Okay. Nice, nice. There we go. So how would you, do, what would you, if you were to sell this Twitter account to, to, the, to the audience here? I mean, most of them probably already know you because you have a lot more followers than we do. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, what is it? It is a Twitter account. Or the accounts are um, celebrating Chris Berry himself in all of his roles and um, in all of his work. Um, from the past 30 or more years. So not just Red Dwarf. Uh, not just Red Dwarf, but many, many, many of the fans are Red Dwarf fans. So, um, yeah. yeah I bet you done, have you got some British Empire things. fans in there as well? Um, a few, yes. It's, it's, <laughs> a few, yeah. It's not, it's not as, I know British was more mainstream when it was on the air, but it, but I think Red Dwarf is much more popular among Chris Berry's fan base. Yeah, it's pro probably unless you were there in the nineties. Um, yes. I doubt many people have come across it in the years since. Um, were you there I, in the nineties, Phil? I, yes, as you like. To, <laughs> yes, you do like to point this out that I am that age that I was there in the nineties. I did watch British Empire the first time round. It's a very good show. I need to check out if it's on BritBox or something. It it is. It has come back on somewhere. I don't remember where, but um, they're they're redoing the whole the whole series. Fantastic. I, I wish I could remember where. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to do a special episode where we go and review that just for an episode, <laughs> yeah. just to see, uh, just to see if it holds up after all these years. Um, for this episode, though, we're sticking with Red Dwarf, and we are up to, um, and this is the reason why I got you on for this episode because obviously you're heavily involved in this Chris Barry's fan Twitter account. It seemed appropriate to get you on for Stoke Me a Kipper, Clipper. Chris Barry's a last. A oh, clipper, that's it. Stoke me a clipper. <laughs> he messed yes. that. Uh, Rimmer messed that up pretty well. Yeah, Rimmer messes it up, I, and that's—I didn't remember that when I looked at the episode title. I was like, "That's the wrong quote. Surely, surely it's smoke me a kipper." Am I? Have I been mishearing it all these years? And it's only when I rewatched the episode that I remembered. <laughs> oh, that's why. Because at the end, he messes up the yeah. quote. 
and and but, I, but I got it. But Kipper sounds. I don't know if that is, it is a British thing, but it sounds to me that sounds like it, it wouldn't be a natural saying anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not I a natural know, saying, I but I it's I, it's something that I suppose you could do. You could get a kipper, which I think is a type of fish, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and so. you could smoke it in the same way as you get smoked salmon. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's that's what I it's think it's just to. meant to evoke that sort. I mean, we'll, we'll discuss it in this like this pre-credits bit of the episode. But like Ace Rimmer, I guess, is sort of aiming for that caricature of like the you know B movie 1950s like you know tip like the Flash Gordon. I think we've said that yes. before, haven't we? Like the Flash Gordon-y type hero is like you know very very buff, very masculine, and is very. Uh, just comes out with all these quotes that like like you said Anna like you know they're not natural quotes but they're very memorable because they're so they're just they are good quotes like yes. I can see why people took Ace Rimmer to their hearts and why they've brought him back uh this is the third time we've seen him I think chronologically um mm-hmm. so yeah no it's nice it's nice to see him back but this I mean we'll get into it but that whole pre credit scene this time I loved it yeah it was, it was good amazing. I'll just I'll just do the uh, synopsis mm, first so mm. that we've got yes. we've got that in our heads. Yes. Uh, the synopsis on IMDb reads, Daredevil pilot Ace Rimmer, seriously wounded after rescuing Princess Bongella from the Nazis, arrives on board Starbug to recruit Rimmer to take his place as the next Ace Rimmer. Will Rimmer continue the legacy of Ace Rimmer? Um, so, uh, yeah, it starts with this quite dramatic pre-title sequence. Um uh, Ace is captured by Nazis. Very Indiana Jones kind of vibe to it. I thought with the Nazis there, um, mm. and he's on a plane. And I, I did like the line uh, that the Nazi has: that "Take him into the hold." I'm not doing the accent. Take him into the hold. <laughs> take ten minutes to explain all our plans to him, and then throw him out the the hold. Sort of playing on that trope of bad yeah. guys elaborately explaining their plans to the yeah. good very guys. Very self aware as well. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely pastiche, isn't it? Like there was like James Bond references, like the yes. the line, "Oh, you expect me to to talk? No, Mister Rimmer, I expect you to die." That's straight out of Goldfinger, and yes. like the whole. I I loved again like the the B movie stuff, like because when when he falls out the plane, like obviously it's you know we can tell it's very obvious, like a CG shot, but it just made me think of all those like glorious B movies from like the fifties to the seventies, where mm-hmm. you know they try and make it realistic, and you it's those films you sort of watch now and you go like oh like they tried, do you know what I mean? And for me, this was like perfectly emulating that like surfing on a crocodile it's it's a perfect example of the kind of homage that red dwarf can perfectly get away with because it's rooted in this comedy and it's just i just i loved it to be honest if the whole episode had been like this had been just ace rimmer in this in this story i'd have been here for it i mean we'll talk about the rest of the episode later on but after the pre-credits i was like hey if this is the whole episode i'm i'm in it would have been amazing that that crocodile the obviously fake crocodile mm. um i i love snappy because it's like it's the the uh james bond bad guy pet that's yes. a full-size <laughs> crocodile and he just tosses him over and it lands on ace <laughs> and ace is struggling <laughs> and i'm like okay that is uh, cheesy and charming and funny and kind of cool yeah it the, just works <laughs> the the visuals on this you, uh, you mentioned the obviously fake crocodile and also the green screen effects are a bit iffy to say the best and there's some quite quite dodgy stock footage in here do you think that was deliberately iffy oh i think think that was the limitations of the time i i think so what do you think the limitations of the budget possibly it seemed it seemed deliberate to me 
Um, but it, in a later scene, scene, there is something that looked like it could have been really cool at the time in the, in the, um, in the nineties, but the SFX just didn't hold up as well. Um, yeah. but I think this was more, they're making it look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I yeah. think you're probably right because the this we were say, we've been saying this series in particular has gotten quite a lot cinemat more cinematic than the previous mm-hmm. series, yes. and uh, so the fact that they would let something like this slip through and it not be deliberate because right. it does look so jarring with some of the rest of the visuals they've got in the series, even if there are some that don't quite hold up, they this looks even worse than that. I don't think. I think, yeah. I think it- even. Intentionally, I think, because I think yeah. Doug Miller by this time had become the kind of director that knows what he wanted it to look like. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's some of those later shots in the episode with, uh, like, you know, Starbug flying around. And it's that I know we've mentioned before with Series 7, it's that really awkward phase back in the late 90s of, like, you know, OTV's doing CG now, but obviously, mm-hmm. it, you know, budgets and all that. And like you said, Dan, I think you're right. I'm sure back in 97, and Phil, you, you, you might be able to attest to it, like, I'm sure sequences like that were like, oh wow, yeah, this is pretty. This is pretty cool to see. But sadly, the passage of time, nearly 25 years, I'd say, hasn't been too kind to those CGI shots in particular, the ones of Starbuck. Mm. I think you're right about the intentionally iffy ones in the pre-credits, but yeah, any of like the space Starbuck ones, I'm like, I like it. I can see how it worked then, but sadly, just because of time, it doesn't quite work now but that's the same for like even the big budget movies of the day oh yeah yeah and i think like hd hd television makes everything that might have passed (laughs) way back when it's like all right i can see some of the things that uh shouldn't probably have been seen that's true i suppose in that way it probably benefits me watching these on my phone which is when i watch (laughs) i watch most of them on my phone um while i'm making notes and stuff and um and and in that respect, it probably that's probably a benefit for me because it's more close. Even though it is a high quality screen, it's closer to it's going to be closer to the the size of the screens, right? Uh, yeah. That they would have had at the time. We should have gone authentic, Phil. We should have got the CRT televisions out, got mm-hmm. your VHS player. Yes. Put it, we should. That's how we should have done it. We're that's how it I originally watched it. So I don't yes. think I even noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So while Ace is falling, well, while he's riding the crocodile, which I must admit is quite a cool visual, uh, him just sort of tying up, riding it like a sort of, uh, no, not a surfboard. That's not quite the right word, but he's he's basically tied it up and he's he's riding this this through the sky. And then he tackles the Nazi guy who's parachuted out, steals his parachute and then drop. But then he's shot out by some German officers and, from the ground and one of them does hit him. Um, and the I mean, luckiest shot ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, this is TV sci-fi. Nobody ever, the bad guys never hit anybody in TV sci-fi. Yeah, bad shots. The guy um, later who was chasing them couldn't hit them from like 20 feet away. But this guy <laughs> on the ground <laughs> yeah. is, hits a falling ace rimmer, uh, hard light hologram in the, the light. Yeah. And he must've hit him like, because he's, it hits his light B. So it's like a very small area that it needed to hit to actually mm-hmm. get him. And it, it manages to get that. The um, luckiest guy ever. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, but so he crashes down to the, the floor. He still manages to rescue the princess though. So that's good. The princess Bongella mm-hmm. as, it, as it is. Gum ointment? Um, is that, that's a gum ointment, right? It Bongella? is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he sort of rescues her and uh, she's, 
just, the, and there's another great line from him, which is... Princess Bongella, Ace Rimmer. There'll be time for explanations later, and hopefully some sex. It's <laughs> <laughs> another yeah, great Ace Rimmer line. Yeah. I did also like when the, the guy, when he escapes the Germans, uh, and just after the Germans have had the crocodile fall on them, then another German comes along and we get that, classic line that everybody says about Ace Rimmer, what a guy, but in German. Which which seems to like me like um he's already well known in this dimension. Um yeah, in 1940s yeah. Germany he's like we're lucky to be alive and uh it he, he's got the what a guy thing. So maybe he's I think maybe he's been there before or another version of him. Oh sorry, didn't mean to spoil it. That's no, fine. No, it's, it's fine because I think if you people are listening to this, they've seen the episode. I I figure so we can we can talk about stuff out of order. That's fine. He's yeah, he's yeah. not the only Ace Rumor. Um, well, we will talk about that a bit later on. Yeah. Um, but that does bring up an interesting point that like, and I'll get into this a bit more later on as well. But the whole chronology of Ace Rimmers, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. But yeah. <laughs> but we can but, we can. You have to kind of you kind of, you kind of have to figure that um, he travels dimensions, but also time because he, yeah. he left yeah. from, the original Ace left from his time and space to hit three million years in the future to meet our Arnold Rimmer, and he's been to 1940s Earth in another dimension. So it might be that just the time and space is not linear. So there could be more. Ace Rimmers, but I don't know if there would be that many because that seemed like a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them there. Yeah, there is. Um, so that's the pre-title sequence. Then we get the lovely titles, and then we are into Lister going into virtual reality um, with a book of cheats to mm-hmm. bed Queen of the Queen of Camelot. <laughs> because seduce, of course, to seduce her in big air quotes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Massive air quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I noticed as well that when we go to the medieval place, like we're only two episodes into series seven. And of course, I know both of you guys have have seen the rest, so you'll probably know what's to come. But so far, like, you know, in the past six series, in terms of like location work, so, you know, not on Starburg or not on Red Dwarf or on a ship in space, mm-hmm. there was maybe always like, you know, one episode to it, a push that was like location heavy. And, um, we had that last episode, you know, with the whole JFK thing. But there's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of location work here too. So I'm wondering, and uh, I'll 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 find out as I go in the coming weeks. But I wonder if that's going to be like a a running thing throughout this series. Are we getting more like location work? That's just that's my thoughts on it anyway. Yeah, it could be part of um, part of uh, sort of Doug Naylor wanted it to be more cinematic this series. Uh, because he wanted to like, you know, he was gearing it to line up to be maybe a movie at some points and yes. he wanted the American syndication and stuff. So he was very keen for it to look more cinematic for this series. And I wonder if that's part of that as well, trying to make it l- look a bit more interesting than just have this, having the standing sets all the time. I, I believe he made a few changes to make it more cinematic for the theatrical release. So um, mm. he put a lot of time and work into it and unfortunately it never got into yeah. be made into a, a movie um but he's tried yeah <laughs> one, of the, he's one tried. of those changes was the the set for the cockpit which as the new set for the cockpit has allowed for much more cinematic camera movements because previously in previous series it was pretty much a static camera for the 
the cockpit. You might have mm-hmm. um, in slightly different positions for the cameras, but they were pretty much always static. But here, yes. when yeah. we do, um, uh, it's after the VR stuff, so we'll go back to the VR stuff in a minute. But as we were on the topic, uh, it, there was a lovely sweeping around the the sort of the um, cockpit uh, window as they first when they're having the emergency later yeah uh, with the camera movement that is very cinematic and does look really good mm. that is that is one thing you could say about seven is that it is it's it's shot to be something that might be a movie and it's shot very well yeah absolutely so back in the vr anyway Crichton is not happy with this plan that's all. No. <laughs> he thinks it's very immoral for some reason. I mean, it's a VR game. I don't. It, I don't know why he's got such a problem with it. It's not like this is the first time <laughs> that Lister has gone into VR yeah. to with, with his groinal <laughs> attachment on <laughs> for his own ends. Yeah. 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 I think Crichton called him scum twice, which is very unusual because Lister is his favorite person in the universe, and yeah, um, to hear to hear that from Crichton was kind of shocking. Um, and I don't, I, for me, what kind of, um, I, what I didn't really like about it was that Lister didn't go into, I, I mean, it was the way he did it, um, yeah. going in and saying, you know, if I win this contest, can I be inside your wife for, for a day and a night? And yeah. that kind of like, I was like, that's kind of creepy. And then the yep. wife was like, Hey, there's this new guy that just wants to, uh, and she's like, yeah. And that's kind of creepy. And the king is like, I don't know what to do. I think in the real world, the king would be like, traitor, traitor, you're both dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. he was kind of like, oh, can we talk about it? But it, it I, I don't see Lister going, like Rimmer said, in series six, you only use it for sex. That's mm. what he wants to use it for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not yeah. necessarily to play Wimbledon or to have a joust. It's, yeah, I suppose he's a, he's a, a deep space with no company. Yeah, he's a, he's a you can't blame him. You yeah. can't blame him. I, I do agree he... that that line about like the, as you said, and quite like the way he he described it sort of made me go like, uh, and I know we've said this yeah. before on the show where. Obviously, you know, these series, I I get it. They were made decades ago and yeah. attitudes have, ta- have changed, times have changed. It's like, would they necessarily get away with that joke now? Maybe not. Or would it, you know, be in the show? But yeah, it, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it's lines like that, though. I, I Yeah, I had the same reaction as you. Just like, wow, that's a bit... I know Lister is a bit, you know, he's a bit randy, for want of a better word. But like, out of all the ways you could have gotten that across. And the way they have gotten it across before, where it comes off as you know, crass and funny, but not like, like I say, it's not creepy. Yeah. This one was just a bit like, e. that's, yeah. Yeah. When he, when he went yeah. back in, 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 I don't remember which episode it was, but he went back to win the bad girl. That seemed more oh, natural yeah. for Lister than, you know, hmm. what he Absolutely. did this time. Yeah. But it's yeah. part of the show, so you have to kind of grin and bear it. There are things that's it, yeah. That, you, you slide that is through, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I did like the uh, the king um, was played by Brian Cox, uh, yes. the, the actor, which I didn't realize at the time. And I only realized when I came to the IMDb page later, I was like, oh, wow, that was Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's quite. And the queen was played by Sarah Alexander of sort of uh, Smack the Pony and mm-hmm. uh, Green Wing fame oh, and okay. coupling as well. Stephen Moffat's coupling. Um right. So uh, I recommend they got, sort of, they got some uh, very famous people to be in their show before you know they took off. So yeah, they they, yeah. they spotted talent. For... Yeah, yeah, they got them. They did, and I mean even afterwards, Brian Cox was a, a famous had been a famous actor for a, a while. I think before before that, so they they by this point in the show, I think they'd 
gotten enough clout to attract already famous people, which is mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is quite good as well. Yeah. Can I ask, was the um was the man who played uh the Nazi bad guy was he was he famous? Because he seemed to be really uh, enjoying the role, and it seemed to be like he, there's a question. Which one? <laughs> as in the, the the main one? The the, main the one, one up in the plane that jumped the out. The one, the, yeah, the one that jumped out of the plane. Um, that's a good Ooh, question. Because he looks familiar, and I don't know if it's because he played something in like maybe a Bond film or something like that. He's a, he was an older. I don't know which one of these characters on IMDb he might be. Was... Would it be lieutenants? Uh, if it was, if it was Captain Voorhees, I don't yes. know if that was uh, if that, that was him. Kenneth Morley. Um, he was. Oh, I've heard that name. He was Reg Holdsworth in Coronation Street from 1989 oh. to 1995. Oh, wow. And he was General Leopold von Flockenstuffen in the BBC sitcom Allo Allo from 1988 to 1991. Oh, So maybe, okay. yeah. I mean, if he was playing a German general in Allo Allo, it <laughs> only makes sense, doesn't it? So. Yes. I think I it might be Allo Allo. I on Coronation, but... Yeah, yeah. I think I might have recognised him from Allo Allo. Which is another great. Have you seen Hello, Hello, Adam? I've seen odd bits and pieces, but I've not seen like tons of it. Ah, uh, it's another. I good liked what I saw. Classic British. That's yeah. the next podcast then. Hello, Hello. <laughs> Once we're, <laughs> right, we're, going, we're going through that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, he Lister of Smeg, as he introduces himself, uh, mm. challenges uh, the king's knights to a duel and uses basically uses these cheat codes to. Initially, I thought this was quite funny. I don't know what you guys thought that turned his horse into a pony. I loved it. It reminded me of um, I grew up in like the PlayStation One era when like cheats on video games were like the in thing. You know, for like stupid things, it was like big yeah. head mode and things like that. And and that literally the, the way it happened, it just it just reminded me of that, and I laughed out loud a lot because I was like, oh my god, it's like they've done small horse mode or something like that. So <laughs> I really liked it. And I, uh, I, how do you guys feel about the chastity belt? joke then <laughs> i didn't understand it because because i thought that chastity belts were worn by women when their husbands were away so why would the queen be wearing a chastity belt yeah. when the king was ah, there maybe okay. she, maybe maybe she wasn't trustworthy around people when her husband was maybe, there. Not, maybe i not. don't know but it just didn't make sense i i thought it was humorous and i could see where they were going but i mean but it just didn't make sense i'm kind of logic that way no that's fair that's fair we've said that before there's various moments in this show where we're like we see what they're going for but it doesn't really like land correct yeah so yeah. I, I get what you mean yeah and then but it, it seems to forget that joke pretty quickly because then as soon as they as soon as lister goes in that tent i was like they're gonna i was like somehow they're gonna do like a, a sex joke basically yeah. and then sure enough <laughs> there it was so yeah he pops his head out and asks for whipped cream yes he asks the and king then, for whipped cream. Yeah, he the, does, uh, yeah. Very, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. If this was a real world medieval king, I yeah. think their heads would be on a on a, on a thing on a, right on a, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would be detached Absolutely. from their bodies by yes. this point. They, and maybe and, the king they, is not supposed to be effective in the game. Maybe that's the thing. Oh, that that's true. Just, yeah. 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 This is Camelot, I suppose, as opposed yeah. to any real life um, real king and queen. So, uh but Lister's fun times in the tent, which is is certainly <laughs> jiggling about a bit, suddenly comes yes. to a, a, a <laughs> bit of a abrupt stop 
when the tent and the queen disappear and we just see him lying on the floor. Um, <laughs> presumably, I mean, I didn't quite catch it, but presumably with his trousers around his ankles or something. Um, yes. Uh, because there's been a, some kind of power drain, so they have to come out of VR and that's when they head to the cockpit and see what's going on. The, the mm. thing about them coming out of the VR is you get to see Lister with the, the groinal attachment. I, I groinal that attachment, kind of yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, because that got mentioned. That got mentioned in Gunman of the Apocalypse, I think, was the first time yeah. the groinal attachment got mentioned. And oh, uh, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good to see it here as well. <laughs> uh, uh, what did you guys think about Because I initially, when they were trying to work out what was going on and Rimmer goes oh I hope it is an ace <laughs> that seemed a bit like really like all the well, other times things have happened and you haven't gone I hope it's not ace and this time <laughs> it is ace it seemed Kat, very Cat <laughs> actually mentioned somebody of enormous power and or what was it uh, charisma dimension jumping so i don't know how they could have thought it was anybody else oh okay i must have <laughs> I, don't, I must have I don't, mis- heard that bit then and then he, and then rumor said the last time it happened it was ace rumor so that was also the first time it happened uh was go. in dimension got, jump, yeah so. uh, but i did like though that then when it cuts back and it has been revealed as ace and then it cuts back to rumor and he's just <laughs> banging just his head yeah. the console yeah <laughs> that was oh, yeah you, you could tell right away that that Arnold Rimmer still has no like for Ace Rimmer. He's nope. just hasn't and let Chris, that go. And Chris Barry's so good at physical comedy as well. Like the like head banging a cock like in that moment, I think that, that like from an acting standpoint, like that sort of moment can so easily be like overdone or like yes. overplayed, so it doesn't really land as a joke. But he just Every time there's like physical punchlines, he nails it every yes. single time. Um, so once Ace comes aboard, uh, it sort of does his hellos and like a listy and all that sort of stuff. Uh, he asks Rimmer to go for a walk with him. Rimmer's very reluctant, doesn't want to, but the others sort of convince him to. Um, and Ace collapses and uh, when he's being shown to his room by Rimmer and admits to Rimmer that he's dying because, uh, mm. because of the bullet that hit his light be and this is where he admits that he's not the original ace that he that the crew had met before mm-hmm. yes yeah. and now i mean both myself and i i presume you and have seen this many times so we yes. knew what was coming when we were watching this time but uh, adam how did you as the first time watching this how did you find that revelation um well i i was surprised because obviously ace room has always been portrayed as like being this you know this in again like the flash gordon indestructible hero and even when he got shot they never really carried on you know he just got shot made a joke about his top and they moved on so i didn't really expect that to to carry over but um no i was quite i was quite intrigued when he was like you've got to you've got to like carry on the mantle like the idea and obviously learning that uh we quickly learned that this ace rimmer is apparently not the original he's one Mm -hmm. of uh many of like a lineage um who's been passed down and it made me think it's like the you know the famous like James Bond 007 theory. Yes. You know, like that James Bond is just a title that gets passed down to different, uh, pe- you know, hence different actors and whatnot. It just sort of made me think of that, like the Ace Rimmer theory, like different Rimmers just get it. But no, I was, I didn't see it coming. I'll say that much, and I was intrigued to see how it um resolved, which will, which will get to. Yeah. As we go. One question I had about the chronology of this is where this is what I was referring to earlier is that he says to what I think are contradictory things because he says the ace you met last time 
and, um, and then he refers to him as I he passed it down to me or something implying that that was his direct predecessor but right. we were shown in that that he is the original Ace Rimmer from his universe like he he was raised and became Ace Rimmer not because it was passed down to him in that Dimension Jump episode but because he, that's how he grew up right so where have all the where do all these other Ace Rimmers that have apparently existed fit in like if if he got if this ace got it directly from that ace, hmm. well, I th- I where think are all the just, other ones? Come I from? think it's just one of those red dwarf moments where we acknowledge it and we we carry on. Yeah, so. <laughs> I guess so. It's it, I, it, I, it's, it's got to be that. like the like I said. There, there may be like he would go to a different timeline and 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 pass it on to somebody else from that dimension. Um, and it could be that there, there's a lot of base rumors out there, um, mm. but it's hard to tell how and why each one was chosen. I think this one was chosen because he was closest. Um, obviously, he wasn't like the best fit for it, but he. But this ace had only a limited amount of time to get to the, his his successor. Um, yeah. So there, and and who knows? Maybe, maybe. Uh, there's a limited amount of Arnold Rimmers to to come and replace him, or maybe this is the last true. one. Yeah, yeah. Rimmer doesn't particularly want to accept this because uh, he he thinks of Ace as a smug git who mm-hmm. is up himself too much. But Lister kind of uses a bit of reverse psychology onto him into accepting it, basically going like, "Oh, you, yeah, you'd be rubbish. Why would you want it? Yeah," and making him go, "No, I wouldn't. I've already accepted it." So yeah. he, he sort of quite cleverly uses a bit of reverse psychology there. Um, and I, I do think there's quite a lot of nice stuff between Rimmer and Lister in this episode. That I do too. I do there's it their their friendship, and it is a friendship, I think, by this point has come a long way since that first series. He has. Um, I was surprised. I mean, we mentioned at like, end of series six, start of series seven, he he shows more of like a, a like a gusto or bravery. You know, he, he's the one who sets the, well, the events of series seven into motion by shooting the the, the time drive. And we said in the last episode, he, 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 he comes across as, you know, a bit more like level-headed, a bit more mature, maybe a bit less cold than before. Mm-hmm. And at first I was a bit, because I said to Phil last week, I was like, I hope they sort of, you know, carry this on. They don't do the thing Red Dwarf does sometimes, you know, where they just like forget something that's happened to a character. Yeah. Um, and at first I was a bit worried because well, I got it in a way because obviously he doesn't like Ace, but he, he was, they were amping up the whole cowardly aspect again. But it was nice, you know, to again sort of see see that change as this episode, you know, as he slowly embraced the Ace from a persona, if you like. Yes. I think, and I think uh, part of the part of the reason why I like this episode so much is because you get to see when it comes down to it, uh, Lister will push, push, shove, brotherly shove, Rimmer into doing yes. the right thing. The um, thing that will—it's supposed to make him a better person, a hero, um, something that he never was before. And I, my my theory is that all Arnold Rimmers are supposed to be heroes. They just didn't get mm. to it during their developing okay. years. Yeah. Um, no, and that, so this the, is a way to push to, to get him to that point. Yeah. And that scene as well, like when Lister's sort of, uh, you know, like almost, I guess, baiting him at yes. first, you know, about the whole, oh, I can't believe he wants you to be the new ace rimmer. And like, like you, like you said, and quite correctly, it is that sort of brotherly 
sort of knowledge of each other because me and Phil have said haven't we Phil over the over the series like obviously they start out and you think these guys are polar opposites you know how they're going to get along how are we going to get this dynamic but the show's been really good at sort of giving us these little scenes every now and then where it's not just you know uh, like you know not just insults or squabbling or anything like that those little moments where they do understand each other whether they're having like a heart to heart or one's like baiting the other through their knowledge of the other one Mm -hmm. And the, yeah, I really liked it. The old heart to hearts on the observation um, dome a, of the yes, of the red yeah. dwarf in the first couple of seasons. Miss those. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah, it seems like ages oh, ago yeah. now. When um, they were still young and didn't yeah. know what was going on. <laughs> in the early yeah. days, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Rimmer has accepted. He goes to uh, be trained by Ace and they do a bit of this training in VR. It's a very... There's not much training going on, really. It's no. kind of just, like, I'm going to take you into VR to train you, which basically is them flying on magic carpets and doing some kind of mantra. And then that's kind of it. That's it for the training. Yeah. I would have loved to see more like a, like a montage of different things, but it seemed like he was just saying you have to be up, you know, this this brave, this self-aware, this or this aware or this, um, this good to be a swimmer. And then... Maybe there, maybe he got more training after that, or like it was just the beginning of his training. But I would have liked to see him do other things with him because um, when 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 I first saw Dimension Jump, I thought Ace was more like a um, like an explorer. Like he got the mm. wildfire and went off to see new dimensions and meet new Arnold Rimmers. And in this one, it turns out he's also because of his training in. Um, the originals training in the Marines, I believe, um, that he was also a hero directly, like he would overthrow governments and um, and save galaxies. Um, and it seemed like Arnold would have needed or wanted some actual physical training um, yeah. to, to get him, you know, uh, and, and that's Ready, where Lister yeah. comes in. Yeah later yeah um, of course because when uh, he's uh, rimmer uh, ace even is too ill to carry on and and is sort of bedridden that's when uh a knight appears a knight from the vr game and first of all i was very confused by this because i was like how is how is the vr knight there how, this is red dwarf <laughs> yeah i know yeah, that's pretty but I was much like, yeah. are they going to explain this but then they didn't need to explain it in the end because a no. hey, uh rimmer dressed up as ace because he's been told to sort of fool the others into thinking he's ace so he's got on all the gear um and he fights it and wins he fires mm-hmm. a bazooka at it but the bazooka turns out to have a blank after he's yes. gone we find this out because the knight gets up and it's it's lister just dressed up as the knight of course um my first thought but- when the knight got up was probably when i first saw it was probably oh he didn't actually get him he's gonna come after Lister or something but then he removed his helmet I was like oh, all right Good job. <laughs> yeah I love the little swapping as well like the blank in the live rounds I thought yeah. that was quite cute like that was quite sweet but yeah he set it up yeah. really well yeah so I kind of like that Lister was in on it and mm-hmm. knows everything that's going on but the cat and Crichton don't they think when they go in and see that the light bee has finally failed they think it's Rimmer that has died mm-hmm because of the night and they make up they said the night came out and um and killed him so th- so i like quite like the fact that it's just lister that's in on it yes yeah 
yeah, it's not like the whole crew are in on it because then it right. would, well, sort of ruin it. And then I... um, Rimmer is still kind of in shock. And I don't know if it's because Ace had died or because now he's like, there's no backing out. Um, and he's so in shock that he can't really process what's going on. And Lister's mm. the one who says, no, that's Rimmer that's died um, fight, um, fighting against the night. Um, and it's it's more of his Lister's support of, of Rimmer becoming Ace. Yeah. Yeah. And then they yeah. have a, uh, they do have a lovely Lister and Rumor do have a lovely heart to hearts, which yeah. again, if, if it, if they'd been on Red Dwarf, I like to think it would have been in the observation deck. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but sadly they've lost Red Dwarf. So that, that's not possible. <laughs> uh, um, no. It's called uh, Red Dwarf. What are we going to do? I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, it's a lovely, again, coming back to this, this, this episode is, it's kind of about Rimmer, but it's also about Lister and Rimmer's relationship yes. and mm. the culmination of that. And it's just really nice, I think. Yeah, it's a lovely little scene. And I, I actually quite like um, the moment, just uh, peddling back a minute, just when when Chris Barry, when he, you know what? So, sorry, get my words straight. So when Rimmer first, you know, has to start pretending to be ace in front of the others mm-hmm. and then you get that whole gag about, you know, the voice thing, like, oh, my yeah. voice keeps changing. Like, I think Chris, that is a great acting moment from Chris Barry because obviously he's playing the two separate characters, right. and which he's already doing double the work, which he's mm-hmm. done before. But he, he, you know, there's, they're two clearly different characters, and he does that well. But to sort of find, you know, an in between, you know, in one character, because he's essentially having to do both at the same time, and yes. he, the way he effortlessly swaps between like the Rimmer voice and then the Ace voice, or like he finds that. In, I just, I, I, that whole scene, I was like. That's a great acting masterclass if you yes. want to do like different characters and because he's them playing both. Rimmer, playing Ace. Yeah, so he's not playing yeah. Ace. He's playing Rimmer, playing Ace. So exactly. it's yeah. subtly different. It's different, and and, he, and yeah, does and also he's playing Rimmer, playing Ace, who's not quite the Ace Rimmer from Dimension Jump because he sounds a little different and he moves a little differently um, yeah. than the one from Dimension Jump. So. Yeah it's coming in off of somebody who may have may have met ace once or may have met his predecessor who didn't maybe quite know what ace was like but the first time i saw it i was like wait chris berry doesn't know how to do ace rimmer that's his character <laughs> and then yeah. i kind of figured it out it was like not quite ace rimmer but sort of ace rimmer um and that's the and the other guys didn't you know the other uh dwarfers didn't know the difference but i kind it, it confused me at first and i had to see it a couple of times before sure. i caught on to that we get a funeral for rimmer um and lister does a eulogy which is uh both sweet and very funny and also includes yes. a lot of references back to previous stuff oh, we God, get yeah, yeah. mention of Al- being alexander the great's chief eunuch in a previous life yes, we get, yeah yeah uh name uh what was the number? uh name on the Oh yes, sewing his name on the ship issued comdoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. The fact that he was a vending machine repair man, and then my yeah. favorite one of them all, uh, mentioning Rachel the inflatable doll. Oh god! And then yes. I couldn't believe panning it. And then to showing. Rachel the inflatable <laughs> yeah, doll sitting in, uh, as a guest at the funeral. <laughs> I couldn't believe oh, it. Out of all the deep cuts they could have chosen, they were like, "Yes, we'll choose Rachel, who only <laughs> appeared. I want to say like." Was it once or twice we've seen? I think Rachel? I think she we may have ne- appeared once, but mentioned quite a lot. I think we've never seen Rachel. Have we never oh, seen Rachel? Okay. Never. I was I was uh, trying to think okay. if we had or not, but yeah. And in, in the beginning episodes, it was Inflatable Ingrid, and I think oh, he, yes. he developed such a a uh, relationship with Inflatable Ingrid that he wanted to. And I think that might have been a brand name that he wanted to give her 
a nice name. Oh, I see, I see. Oh, well, there you go. So for longtime fans at the time, that was the bit, the big reveal. Yes. Here is Rachel after all this. You waited nine years for this, for this one moment. And they dressed her up so nicely. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think the I last shocked, reference. So. I was shocked the... when I saw that. I was like, what? 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 Oh, yeah, I wanted yeah, the well, mystery to last. <laughs> the last reference we got to the doll, I think, was in Legion when uh, he first gets to be yes. the hard light uh, thing and oh, he yes, tells Crichton yeah. to unpack the doll. I, I can't remember if she was being, recalled, Ra- being called Rachel no, at that yes, point she was. Grid, but she was. Yeah. Unpack Rachel because uh, he's now a hard light hologram. I think one and of my favorite and, and get the puncture repair kit. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from this whole bit was when um, when they're talking about him dying, and Cat says, "Ah, oh, but neither can I. I was only insulting him just this morning." Because in, in my head, I was like, "You have just summed up your entire relationship yes. to Arnold Rimmer in one line." Because we've said before on loads of times, like sometimes sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I feel like you know, obviously in the earlier seasons, Cat. Uh, like when he interacts especially with Rimmer is just like you know a one-liner machine of like mm-hmm. insults and stuff and sometimes I've enjoyed it and sometimes I felt okay maybe this joke's getting a bit flat now but I, I did find this really funny that he just the way he said it I was like you've just acknowledged your like main relationship to Rimmer but I thought I liked it I thought it was and the fact good. it was like it was like he's as a as a, a memory it's like this is a good memory I just yeah with him and now he's gone what am I gonna do exactly yeah Who's Lost. the cat gonna insult now? <laughs> Probably um, Crichton. Rachel. No, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like as well when they when they send him off. How they do the well, they give him first officer status, which yes. I thought was really lovely, and then they do the Rimmer salute, which I, I actually I was like, oh man, I was like, this is heavy. This is getting heavy now. So <laughs> it was really lovely that he got made first first officer Rimmer. Yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that sticks, so I don't think oh. they have the ability to uh, officially designate him that, but it's a nice honorary title yeah, at least. Yeah, it's a nice sentiment. They can, yeah. they can do what they want. They're the, yeah, the most survivors. Them now. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, it, on this tiny little ship, there's no space for to say you can't make him a yeah. officer. Will it stick, though? We don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they take him to uh, deposit him. Uh, amongst all the other ace rimmers and they are i mean i didn't count but <laughs> literally <laughs> probably millions because they I make up a millions. whole whole um like planetary ring ring. other planet yes yeah, yeah. It, so it's kind of awe-inspiring beautiful you know but also how 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 did they get that many ace rimmers it's like, yeah. Wow. yeah that's it isn't it you swept up at first like oh this is like really great like the music's really like swelling and it's really like emotional and then you then you sort of stop and you think wait hang on like how, how many how many are there yeah but no, and also yeah, how did they the all ending. get to that like is this in their dimension are they all did did all of well, the they, aces get they fly, deposited in their dimension when or? they deposit it they f- starbug and the the thing that gets deposited they go through like a wormhole don't yeah, they or it looks okay. like it so okay, here's here's a fan theory oh, okay um, let's hear it maybe the i don't remember what lister called it but the device that they attached to the lightly coffin had mm. something of a dimension jump quality to it and they followed uh, it through to this uh yeah, this place uh, okay that makes sense okay. hmm. but it's it's yeah. uh, you have, sometimes you have to do so after all of this uh the new ace aka our rimmer um mm-hmm. unbeknownst to the cat and Crichton still um he goes to leave 
accidentally ejects himself out of the, of the cockpit <laughs> of his ship. Yeah. That that might have been another reference to uh, Goldfinger because I think yeah. that's oh, yes. the movie where yeah. he said, "There's a big red button. Don't press it because it's an ejection." Yep. Exactly oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I think I've read in an interview somewhere that Ace was very heavily inspired by James Bond to the point where Chris Barry, I think, modeled like how he acted on right. uh, Sean Connery. I believe yeah, that makes mentioned. a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> and the wig, the first wig, he he oh, modeled God, it on. Yeah. That 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 gave him that um that 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 gave him the inspiration of what the character should look and sound like and. Yeah. Sean, uh, was it? Did you say Roger Moore? It sounded like Roger Moore to me. Um, well, he said in an interview, like an I think. In an interview, yeah. he's mentioned Sean Connery, I think, as okay. um, an inspiration for it. But I think Ace acts more like Roger Moore. Like the the, the Connery Bond is obviously like known as suave. But let's face yeah. it, you watch some of those films. He he doesn't. But be- he's he's he, he's not a good boy. He doesn't behave very well, especially with women. Mm-hmm. Roger Moore is like the more. And it's still suave, but he, he acts more like the straight gentleman, like yes. the, you know the polite. So yes. I think Ace acts more like a Roger Moore Bond, but maybe he in terms of like, yeah, he style, yeah, sounds a bit more like a a Connery Bond, I guess. But because I do remember from Dimension Jump, Dimension Jump, people were like throwing themselves at him instead of him, like yeah, he, instead of him like forcing up. himself on like, yeah. other people, yeah, 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 which is very Roger Moore again. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's another that. one of those differences, I think, between the portrayals of that ace and this ace is that every time he he never really hit on people yeah. as the other ace in Dimension Jump, but lots of people were hitting on him. Here, mm. it's him that makes the comment to the princess about right. maybe yeah. some sex later. So there is right. that, yeah. that difference well, there but, as well. But it was up to her because, and she, oh, yeah. and she seemed to, you know, call, call me Beryl and, you know, that's... yeah. But, and the, he also said like, uh, when he arrived on the ship that he turned down several marriage proposals. Yes. What a lucky man. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a guy. Yes. What a, what a guy. Yeah, what, what a guy. What a guy. I've, I've got to say, though, as it this episode ends quite... Um, and we mentioned this last weekend with um, episode one, how that ended with the, you know, sort of JFK assassinating himself and time correcting it. It was quite a... Um, I guess a more dramatic finish than a lot mm-hmm. of Red Dwarf episodes. Like obviously, a lot of them end on like a gag or a very rushed conclusion or, or a more elaborate conclusion. This one felt quite, again, like more, more, there was comedy to it, but this one felt more dramatic than comedic overall. And I kind of, I kind of like it, even though I know this is like a, mainly a comedy sci fi show. I kind of like the more, I guess, like dra- dramatic or, you know, drama aspects there including this time around mm-hmm. yeah. um i like more comedy but in this case um because of what the subject matter was it was hmm. it was more fitting to be you, you wanted you wanted a, a good memory and parting ways was probably uh, yeah. pr- pretty pretty uh final and touching that's um, it yeah and obviously you two know but um i'm curious no spoilers please no. but i'm ki- like this is it this can't be the end of rimmer for good surely he'll come back we shall see <laughs> <laughs> yeah we if you're listening at don't spoil it in the car i don't know if you please read the comments don't. adam yeah. but don't uh don't spoil i do occasionally it in the so behave <laughs> listeners please <laughs> um yeah as you were saying this the him getting ejected gives him a chance to have that 
final goodbye with everyone. So he yeah. sort of says goodbye to Crichton and, and the cat again. But then it's really Lister that he's giving a, a proper... And they sort of have a hug. And, yeah. yeah, it's so nice. Real nice. Yeah. So nice. Nice moment. See you, Davy boy. Yeah. Yeah, man. And th- and that's that was the end of the episode. Goodbye, goodbye, Rimmer. Goodbye, yeah. Rimmer. Yeah. What is the show going to be like without you. him? Oh, well, <laughs> find out see. next week. I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm gonna see. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's uh, a lot of change this season. So, um, oh right, okay. Yeah. I better buckle up then. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. a lot coming. We already know that um, Rob Grant is no longer writing, and I yes, I feel like yeah. Rob Grant brought a lot to the writing. I mean, just the whole the whole show. So it's Doug Naylor kind of be both writers yeah, yeah. Um, but t- talking of writers this um this actually is the first time that there is a writer that isn't rob grant or doug naylor mm-hmm. there was a right a new writer for this episode yeah and i've just lost the name of it <laughs> where is it uh give me a second so it was paul alexander paul alexander that's it and uh, for the first time, that's it's not one of the two original writers to write the episode. I, think he had I to, guess it's. I think he had to give out because because I, I know there's another writer that um, comes on for a different episode in this series, but there may have been more. I, I just didn't do the research for. Yeah, well, given that this that. Ep- this series has more episodes, and it's just it was Doug running the show by himself now and didn't have Rob to write the episodes with. I'm guessing the workload was quite a lot, so you know. Get, getting some other writers in kind of makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Oh, can I can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you know what the original title of this episode was? Oh, I did read that. Um, it was something. Oh, go on. What was it? Yeah. Natural Born Rimmers, and it was based on the movie <laughs> oh, Natural Born Killers. And That's I think right. there were two yeah. things that changed it. Was one was it got uh, the movie got some bad press because there was a copycat killing in the states oh, right. based on they said it was the movie and then right. um allegedly uh craig charles said you might want to change that because it might have some yeah. um yeah in the uk if you say oh you're a natural born rimmer that might yes. attract some uh <laughs> some interesting attention yes uh, i i forget because i've watched this show you know with phil one every week now i think when we first started when i first heard he's called you know arnold rimmer i was like oh that's yeah. an interesting name but you watch it so often you just <laughs> sort of forget so it's and a, then, that's and then a his, polite reminder his alter ego is ace rimmer uh, yeah, so. yeah <laughs> that could exactly. also bring up attention <laughs> It can <laughs> keep it clean in the comments, people. Come on, we're all it's we're great. all adults. We're all, we're all mature here, right? So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the episode. Um, mm. We we have some regular features we do on the show here, Anne, uh, which includes picking our favorite character for the episode. Now, I'm curious, given that you uh, currently manage a, a basically a. <laughs> Uh, Chris Barry Stan account. What? Uh, what's? Um, is Rimmer your favorite character? Is Rimmer or Ace Rimmer your favorite character in this episode, or is it somebody else? I love them both, but in this episode, barring the AR game, Lister is pretty much the man of the match because he nice. he um, brought everything together to make it possible for Rimmer to do what he probably would not have done on his own. And the the way that he did it, it was out of um, care for his friend and wanting him to be a better person and to be a hero. Um, that just, Lister. Nice, but, good choice. But second is 
uh, Ace and Arnold because they're both nice. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Who's your favorite character um, in the episode? Well, to to go with the obvious, it has to be Rimmer and Ace. I, mean, I do agree with you a lot, Anne, about uh, Lister stealing a lot of it this time and how, like you say, he sets it up and there's those great... We see like the more, I guess, like tender side of Lister's character. Um, I just love, though, with Rimmer and Ace, especially with, in particular, that scene I mentioned earlier where, uh, like you said, uh, Rimmer is... At play Chris Barry is playing Rimmer, playing Ace, because uh, as an actor myself, I just thought that was a perfect... A perfect acting masterclass, really. I mean, Chris Barry demonstrates that often enough, but that was peak for me. Yeah. So yeah, I've got to give it to uh, Rimmer and Ace. So uh, that you're picking two there, technically. If I had to, well, if I had to force your hand and make it right. between they them, are the same, they are the same. They are the same person. I'll I'll skirt around Ooh, your well. challenge they're, by they're saying similar, it's, yeah. my favorite was the Rimmer who was acting like Ace. There you okay. go. Okay. <laughs> that's that skirts That's it a little bit. Wait, wait, I'm wait. Gonna go, <laughs> Right. The Rimmer that was acting like Ace in the beginning of the episode, or the Rimmer that was acting uh, like uh, Ace at the end of the episode? I'd say the one at the end of the okay. episode. All yeah. right, very good. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's good. Now, what about you, Phil? I'm going to pick Rimmer. Um, mm-hmm. Just Rimmer, just generally. Just the Rimmer. Rimmer. Our oh. Rimmer, the Rimmer that we've, we've been following in this series so far. Um, because I think from the end of series six to this episode is a a nice story arc for him because he especially at the end of that final episode of series six he sort of steps up and um is the brave person after his crewmates have been wiped out whereas normally he would be the coward he steps up and does the 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 heroic thing and that kind of continues a little bit into the beginning of this season last episode he uh, wasn't the the kind of weasley person that we'd known before if he felt a bit different and Mm. that can that kind of journey continues and culminates in this episode so i think for that alone i'm going to give it to rimmer for this episode and i'd like to add um there was a cut scene from this episode where ace rimmer um explains that in out of time in his version of out of time he um left his crew for dead took the time drive and went to like 18, 17th or 18th century France and hid in a flower shop until Ace found him. So oh. our Rimmer was actually like... Um, Already ahead of this Rimmer. Exactly. Oh. Well, there we go. I did there not know that. That's back. interesting. That would have been really interesting if they'd included that, I think. Yeah. It's a shame they didn't. I think it was cut for time probably because yeah. So much mm. already in this episode. So the other thing we do is we pick our funniest moment in the episode. It can be for whatever reason you want. It can be, you know, a single line or it can be a whole scene, uh, a whole sequence of jokes. But what, Anne, was your funniest moment in the episode? The Rachel reveal, of course. He didn't have very many friends. <coughs> but those that he did have were with him at the end. Even Rachel, who I suppose in many ways is his widow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, course. the long-standing there, Rachel. There were, there, there were a lot of funny scenes, but every time I see his when Lister describes him as her as as his widow, um, and then you get that pan, I was like, okay, I get a giggle out of that. <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Adam? For me, um, I'm gonna go with. I, I tried to pick one like a small moment, but it has, for me, it's got to be the the pre credits sequence. And I know that's like nearly five minutes long, but you could just I I can see myself just going back just to watch those five minutes and just loving it. It's it's everything 
I love about, like I said, like the pastiche of like B movies of like exploitation movies with like, you know, low budget effects like the Flash Gordon, James Bond. I just loved it. Perfect homage. So, yeah, it's definitely got to be the pre-credits for me. It doesn't feel like five minutes. It doesn't know. When when the title sequence started and I looked at the time code, I was like, wow, that was that was five minutes. It literally felt like two. But no, I loved it. But um, what about you, Phil? What was your funniest moment? I am with Anne on this one. It's got to be the Rachel reveal. Uh, <laughs> just It was already funny, but then the pan to her makes it even fun. And the reveal that we and actually get to see her. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> but that just it. makes it. It's, it's the, the definitely the bit that got the biggest laugh out of me in the episode. Um, and finally, we just need to mark it out of 10. So we, we mark it out of 10 scutters. So how many scutters out of 10 would you give this episode, Anne? Let's see. Um, I'd say for, for what it was intended to do, um, I'm going to give it an 8.5. Nice, strong score. score. Adam? Oh, I flitted between two this week. We have this often, Anne, where we're like, oh, we thought about this one or the other. But if I'm if I'm leaning with my... With my gut on this one, I am also going to give it an 8.5. It was between 8 and 8.5, but I think for like the the moments where they slowed down a bit, like where they had those like nice, you know, quieter moments with Lister and Rimmer, um, the pre-credits, all that, yeah, definitely deserves the 8.5, I think, for me. So are you going to make it a hat trick, Phil? Are you going to say 8.5 as well? I'm not. I'm going higher. I'm going oh. I'm going for 9.5 on it. I really oh. enjoyed the episode. I don't think there's nothing like particularly that there wasn't any moments where I thought this is going on too long or uh, you mentioned slow moments. But for me, I, d- I didn't really have any. Um, it was it was they were funny. If my one thing would be probably the criticism i don't even really want to call it a criticism because it doesn't matter so much in this episode just like it didn't matter so much in the last episode but it there's less like jokes there's less outright funny moments there's still some and i think there's probably more than there was last week but um but it's a really good story despite that and so even though this is a sci-fi comedy i didn't mind that i wasn't laughing out loud every two minutes or whatever um, but that's probably the only sort of minor thing uh, that I have against it. So I'm going to give it 9.5. Wow. That's fair. Good score. Yeah. I know. Good score. You don't yeah. give out many 9.5. No, so. no. We've not had a 10 yet. I, no. Will we we've, ever? We've, I, I think don't we've know both, now. I think we've I, both had a 9.5, but yeah, yeah we haven't I'm, I'm racking my brain to think of a 10, and <laughs> I think it has yeah. to be pretty uh, – I, I can think of one that might be – a 9.8 okay Ooh, but nice. that's not that's not coming for a little while oh yeah. right it's later okay. down the line. Oh, interesting. interesting interesting okay yeah cool. before before we round off um i mean first of all and thank you for joining us it's been oh, it's been a pleasure having, having you but just as someone who's like watched the show i've said this to phil before when i came into this uh, thankfully i haven't had any like major spoilers yet on what's to come mm-hmm. but i did have some people say oh when you get to series seven and eight they're like they're the bad seasons and i mean yes i'm only two episodes in series seven but so far i i disagree i mean what what do you think of that notion that you know fans say oh series seven and eight are like some of the worst would I you think, i think uh, people have yeah. preferences about what yeah. they like in in red dwarf um i came in to red dwarf um, in the middle of series eight. So I had oh, no okay. idea what was going on. Um, I thought Kat was a vampire. 
Um, <laughs> You're not the first person to say yes. that. Yeah. And, and Lister yeah. and Rimmer were both kind of both my favorite, like vying for my favorite character. Um, I watched that a few times through. And then um, my PBS uh, station went back to series one with the with the end. And I'm like, yeah. this is not the same show. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah, what happened very to Red different. Dwarf? Um, yeah. But I've been watching some series eight. And I can, I can see where people don't like change, especially if they have their their golden moments of the series. Um, a lot of people like three, four, and five. Uh, oh, it's um, all right. We're Doctor Who fans. We know that fans don't like change. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, that's and a bit. It seems like every time there's something new that comes out, people will complain because it's new. But um, if, if I think both series seven and eight both have um, positive aspects to them may not be for everybody but just ride it through you'll you'll find something that you like nice well two episodes in yeah it's a thumbs up for me i've enjoyed both of those so yeah Yeah. excellent uh well that just about does it um last thing is to say is there anything you'd you'd like to plug obviously you've got the twitter accounts uh what's the app for that um twitter is uh cberry fans um at Seabury fans. Um, Facebook is Chris Berry and then uh, parentheses and Red Dwarf in parentheses. And that is a private group. So you have to say that you're not going to break our rules, which is make sure everything that if you post something, it's about Chris Berry um, and don't be a jerk. Yeah. No, no, then, posting, <laughs> no posting about Craig Charles on that. Only Chris Berry. Um, it's going to, I get really rimmery. So I have people who will um, like for a father's day, they posted about Lister being a dad and rimmer is up oh, shut up um oh right okay anyway so my my, my rimmery uh action for that was that's not necessarily about chris berry or rimmer or that's more about lister um and then i have to remove the, the, the post and then they're like but it's about he's in it and i'm like no 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 um and then on instagram it's also seaberry fans um and i try to post something every day it might be it's probably more like pictures of chris berry or chris berry as britis or chris berry as rimmer or um chris berry with a car because i know he loves those um hmm. but it's it's some i try to post something every day i think i missed two days because i wasn't feeling well um and everybody's welcome to follow and and enjoy i hope i'm doing a good job because that was my only uh concern was that i wouldn't be able to to um interact with the fans as much as i'd like to um, well from and- what i i see i i have i've only experienced the twitter side of it but you seem very active on there and posting all the time so i think you're and doing i apologize for that. That. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i i try to i try to keep things uh, mild and family friendly and just so everybody can enjoy how great Chris Berry is. Oh, there's also a YouTube page that I don't think is being updated um, right now because Danny is is away from that. Um, but if you want to see some like really classic uh, Chris Berry on television, um, it goes back into Spitting Image and um, Saturday Live and um, uh, Hail and Pace when he was working with Hail and Pace. I forget the, the show. But yeah, he, yeah. Uh, um, but it's got all his, his older things. Um, and ah. it's really amazing to see uh, how far he's come from a, a young impressionist to like a, a full actor. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Oh, ace. Excellent. Ace indeed. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, so, Adam, uh, do you want to plug your socials and stuff? Sure, yeah. So, if um, you can find me on YouTube, Adam Martin with a Y. I make videos on uh, Doctor Who and various other pop culture things. And you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Adam Martin AMTV for daily ramblings, memes, the occasional giveaway. Yeah, that's me. What about you, Phil? You can find me on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, Twitter. I mean, don't don't find me on Facebook. I never post <laughs> okay. anything on Facebook. Um, Twitter is at I-U-D-E-X underscore Phil. I spell it because nobody will get it if I don't spell it because it's pronounced mm-hmm. Udex. Um, but it's I-U-D-E-X underscore Phil. And uh, also don't forget to check out our own Twitter, the show's Twitter account, which is at All Dead Dave Pod. Um, so check that out as well. And of course, I've got my YouTube channel, just my name, Philip Hawkins, Philip 1L, where I upload this podcast as well as lots of content on Doctor Who and other such things. By the time this episode comes out, I think we'll be into the next season of Doctor Who. So there'll be lots of Doctor Who content yes, on there. Yes, lots of discussion. Nice. So, um, so there's that as well. So do come and subscribe there. Um, that's it. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll be back for another episode next week. Uh, See you then. See you later. Bye-bye.